Good morning, friends. Um, today's message is really uh, probably more of just a word of encouragement. Uh, it's based on some study I've been doing as I've been reading through the Bible this year, and I got to Numbers chapter 13 and 14, and uh, came up with a title that I'm just going to call it Winer or Winner. So let's take a look at these two chapters very quick. After the children of Israel were freed from Egyptian bondage, delivered from Pharaoh's army, they began their journey toward Mount Sinai. Now, in the wilderness, God provided food and water and protection. When they arrived at Sinai, they received the law <clears throat> that would govern them as a nation and the pattern of the, for the tabernacle regulating their worship. And so after being numbered and organized, they were now ready to enter the land of promise. However, it seems that the people came up with the idea to Search out the land. You can read that in Deuteronomy 1, 20 to 23. Well, God agreed to it and told him to spy out the land and see how the people lived, how strong they were, and what the land looked like. Now, after 40 days, the spies returned and admitted Canaan was a wonderful land, but expressed doubt that they could conquer these strong people. Now, as some of you know, two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, objected and said, We can do it. We can take the land. However, the majority prevailed, and Israel wondered, ended up wandering in the wilderness another 38 years while an entire generation died. Now, this account from Numbers 13 and 14 should be very familiar to most readers, but the question is, what do we learn from it? Well, concerning the problems of Israel, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Now, regarding our approach to studying the Old Testament, Paul also wrote in Romans 15:4, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. So what example is set for us in this account? I mean, what admonitions do we receive and what learn, lessons do we learn from the 12 spies? Well, I'm going to put it down into two words. We, we learn about two attitudes. Well, the outlook of the ten spies was not very bright. Their report was one of doom and gloom, and they could only see the problems instead of the possibilities. They saw giants instead of gods, and they saw defeat instead of victory. The writer of Numbers called it a bad report. Some translations actually call it an evil report. Their attitude could certainly be called negative. On the other hand, Caleb and Joshua were very optimistic. Their report was one of hope. They saw the possibilities instead of the problems, God instead of giants, and victory instead of defeat. God actually said of Caleb in chapter 14, verse 24, Caleb had a different spirit. Yes, it was different from the ten spies because it was positive instead of negative. That kind of gets me around with my point, and that's that today in this world and in the church, we still have these two groups of people. Some can see the good in people, opportunities to spread the gospel, in the disposition that says, we're able to do this. While there are others who can only see the bad in people and the flaw in any idea, and they say, we're not able. These are also the people who would say, what, we've never done it that way before. Well, let's take a closer look into this negative attitude of the ten spies and see what traits compose their character. Well, one of them was doubt. They said, we are not able. Now, doubt caused them to question the resources to take the land, as well as doubting that God was there leading them. The second was self-depreciation. In chapter 13, 33, they said, We seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. See, they saw themselves as teeny tiny little bugs about to be squashed by big bad giants. 
Well, third was fear. Joshua indicates in chapter 14, verse 9, that they were afraid. Well, fear naturally follows doubt and self-depreciation. Fear is going to paralyze one and keep them from acting. Fourth was a critical spirit. When people become negative and inactive, they turn to criticizing others who want to move forward. The whole congregation was influenced by these terrible ten to murmur and complain against God's leader, Moses and Aaron. And then there was rebellion. The preceding attitudes contributed to the spirit of rebellion against God. They said in 14.4, let us choose a leader, and believe it or not, they said, and go back to Egypt. I mean, can you even imagine being on the brink of the promised land and then wanting to go back to the land of slavery? Well, six would be ingratitude. Implied is also a spirit that was not thankful for their blessings. They failed to appreciate all that God had done for them in the two years after leaving Egypt. And seven was unbelief. These negative characteristics can be summed up in that one word. The writer of the of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, says that unbelief kept them from entering Canaan. Friends, doesn't it scare you to death to look at that list and see many of these negatives in the church today, attitudes that hold us back, that divide our ranks and cause us to wander in the wilderness of sin and keep us from entering the land of promise? Now, several years ago, I read an article that described negativism this way, quote, There is no place in the Christian's life for negativism, yet this is the persistent attitude of many. It constantly talks down the great work of God. It is the prophet of doom, gloom, and boom. It says nothing is useful or beneficial. No, not gospel meetings, Bible classes, and on and on. Everything proposed is a waste of time, a waste of effort, and especially a waste of money. That's the most important. Negativism is not realistic, but materialistic. Negativism is an elephant on the road to progress, a millstone around the neck of usefulness, a cancer of the mind of its advocate, and an ice pack on the fervor of the faithful. It sees thorns on every road, rose bush, never the roses on the thorn bush. Its parent is little faith, its child is discouragement, its grandchild is cantankerousness, and its first cousin is stubbornness. End of quote. That's pretty powerful. Well, let's take a quick now, look now at Caleb and Joshua. Now, these two men were different. They had a different disposition, a different focus on life, and a different attitude toward God and his work. Now, what were some of the, the attributes of their attitudes? Well, first was faith. In 1330, they said, we are well able to overcome. They believed in themselves and their fellow Israelites, and most importantly, they believed in their God. And that second was confidence. Concerning the Canaanites, Joshua said in chapter 14, verse 9, And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You see, they had the confidence in the outcome of this undertaking because they knew that they were doing the will of God. And third is courage. In 14.9, Joshua said, do not fear them. So he was not afraid of the giants or the walled cities or the strength of the people. Four was action. In chapter 13, verse 30, Caleb said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. See, positive people say, Let's go and do it now. And fifth was thankfulness. They understood the land was a gift from God, a blessing due to his delight in them. You can read that in chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. Heartfelt appreciation for one's blessings will lead to courage, which in turn leads to action and obedience. 
So today as we face the giant problems of sin, suffering or sickness in our personal lives, or the apathy, indifference, and cowardice in the lives of our brothers and sisters, we need the positive traits of faith, confidence and courage, coupled with action, and an appreciation of God's blessings to lead us on to victory. Well, Numbers chapter 3, verse 32 tells us there were 603,550 men of war in the Israelite camp. Now, of that number, only two of them, Caleb and Joshua, entered the promised land. 603,548 died in the wilderness. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, only a few will enter and walk the straight and narrow way leading to life, while many will walk the broad way leading to destruction. The question is, will you and I decide to develop the disposition like God's two heroes of old? Or will we be like those shameful spies who brought back the negative report? Well, friends, don't be a whiner. Be a winner for God. Practice faith and confidence and courage and action and thankfulness. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.